The autumn wind is a pirate. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Raider Nation podcast. I'm your host, Raider Greg. Welcome to our show. Boy, the CBA still dragging on, but the Raiders have been making some big-time noise and freaking out the other owners in the NFL. You just got to love Mr. Davis and the rebel that he is. We'll talk about that and more here on Show 304. On today's show, we will have Robert Gallery quits on the Raiders. What a punk. I'm unhappy about that move, but see you later, Robert. You never really panned out anyway. We're going to hit on this. Charlie B., defensive coordinator, Bresnahan? Are you kidding? Of course he is. We knew from the beginning we're going to hit on that for sure. Uh, and a very special guest of our show. Uh, I've been waiting to do this for a while. I'm finally glad we got around to it. I work with a fine gentleman, retired NFL great. I call him great because he's a great guy. Gene Taylor. I work with him. We're going to talk to him about the draft, talk to him about the combine, what it's like being a young player, what it's like during a strike year because he went through the 87 strike. So we're going to talk about that and much more, including the bone line, here on our show. Robert Gallery quits on the Raiders. Man, that's some bullshit. Please, 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 please. Well, let's take a look at this. Robert Gallery's been a, a, a kind of a burr in our ass for some time. Actually, since he was the second overall pick in the 2004 draft, drafted to be the monster offensive tackle, uh, the guy that's supposed to cure all the ills of the team, the guy that's supposed to solidify the offensive line, never freaking panned out and struggled Last couple years lately with injuries, new coaches over the last several seasons, and, you know, a myriad of excuses why he didn't ever pan out as the tackle that he was drafted for. What makes me pissed is that the fact the guy took the money for the tackle position and continued to demand it. He said it was a mutual agreement that they depart ways, I guess, with the Raiders, which was absolute bullshit, and you guys know that. He wanted $8 million a year. <laughs> ah, I think that's goddamn funny. And you should too. The guy wasn't worth it. They offered him 2.4, which I think was exorbitant to begin with. And he laughed, scoffed. I guess he pouted, packed his tail between his legs, and hit the freaking road. Now, 
the guy has had the money all this time. He made six hundred, almost seven hundred thousand dollar in base salary last year, and was due to make one point three million this year, and they almost doubled that, and it wasn't enough for him. The guy was doing a pretty good job, I got to say, but not stellar. The last two years he's been injured, and he really hasn't been that much of a difference maker, even when he was out of the lineup. Lopier came in and did a great job. He could be replaced by Bruce Campbell, which is an up-and-comer that we drafted last season. You know, it takes a while for the offensive lineman to develop. I've told you guys that before, and I think that either Lopier or this new guy Campbell might be able to fill this spot. And, you know, we got some more free agents on the wings. we got draft coming up. Uh, I think we've solidified a lot of great positions, by the way. But Gallery, as far as a loss to the team, yeah, I don't think so. I'm surprised he caught such an attitude. But, you know, they're talking about him going to the Redskins or maybe the Seahawks up with Cable. Quite frankly, see you later, partner. <laughs> nice talking to you. And you never really did what was expected of you. Chuck Bresnahan? Chuck Bresnahan? Our defensive coordinator? Are you kidding? It's tricky. How's your team? Tricky, 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 tricky. Tricky, 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 tricky. tricky. Huh. The minute they hired Bresnahan, the writing was on the wall. Even though they called him a defensive coach, it really never was a defensive coach because everyone who really knew how the Raiders operate, they knew if they couldn't get Winston Moss and they couldn't get whoever else they wanted, that they would fall back on the guy that really wanted a job and a guy that they knew could handle the ins and outs of Mr. Al Davis, literally. <laughs> Listen, Bresnahan's no stranger to the Raider freakout in the office. He's no stranger to John Herrera or Mike Taylor. He's no stranger to the odyssey that is the Raider mystique. Bresnahan was a good coach, I think. Gosh, he took us to some great places on the defense. Him and Gruden took us to a Super Bowl. Listen. It's no surprise that he's back. It's no surprise that he's been chosen as the defensive coordinator for the Oakland Raiders. We all had a very strong feeling that this was going to be the case, as was mentioned on several blogs. One of the cool things, I think, though, is the way that uh, the coach, the head coach, uh, actually came out and embraced Bresnahan after he's been working in the office with him since he was hired. The fact that he has engaged with the coach, Hugh Jackson, and that they've come to an agreement, I think that's important that they've bonded. And the fact that Jackson has enough confidence in Bresnahan that he's going to have him as his defensive coordinator. I don't know if he's got a lot of choice, but I think that it's a good thing. Hey, man, he took us to three AFC championships, three in a row. You remember those days? I think our defense was stellar. I think it can be again, and I think he understands what Al Davis wants. He won't travel too far from where we were last year, 
hopefully a little more aggressive. And as I remember, we were much more aggressive when Bresnahan was the coach. I was not happy when he was let go, but that's the way it goes. I'm glad he's back, and I'm glad he's our defensive coordinator. Now we can move on to picking some up some free agents and the draft, for God's sake. Welcome, for sure, definitely, defensive coordinator, Chucky B. Before I get to my brother, Gene, and our interview, I want to say a couple of things that have happened. As It's been a while since I've done a show. They've cut Bruce loose. Evidently, Bruce has been cut loose from the Oakland Raiders. Now, you know, I'm, I just... <laughs> I know it was a tough place for him to play. I knew it was tough for him. He wants to be a starter, and that's probably what they're doing to, for him is is giving him an opportunity to go out there and see if he can get a starting position. I just think he was the best backup we've had in a long, long time. I mean, we haven't had a good backup quarterback in several years. And the fact that they kept Kyle Bowler and paid him $1.25 million is an insult to me. They let doggone Bruce Gradkowski go, and they kept that doggone interception machine, Kyle Bowler? What kind of horse shit is that? You know what it is? It's the jealousy. It's the Al Davis. I'll make sure that Gradkowski doesn't challenge Campbell again. Uh, I don't I don't get it. I think it's freaking stupid. I think it's probably the dumbest move we made so far is to keep Kyle freaking I can't pass to save my ass bowler is just ludicrous. What an idiotic move that was. Uh, and I'm still pissed and I'm bent about it because I think really think about it, man. Greg Kowski is the best option of all the quarterbacks we've had over a long time. Uh, brother. Anyhow, the Raiders did sign Haram Eugene. I'm glad about that. Michael Bennett, Daniel Lopier, Nick Miller, good kid. Rock Cartwright, he's been solid. Stanford Route, well, you know, we needed to keep him. John Henderson was a good move. Richard Seymour, of course. Cameron Wimbley, of course. Samson Satelli was a great pickup as far as keeping this guy. We need a strong center, and I'm telling you, he's just going to get better and better. Michael Bush in the house. Zach Miller. And, uh, well, of course, I said Kyle Buller at the Kyle Buller. Yeah. I can't freaking believe it. Uh. Okay, without any further ado, let me introduce my good brother, Mr. Gene. And I mean mean Gene Taylor. Unforgettable. That's what you are. Raider Nation. This is Raider Greg. I'm up here at Station 7, which you call Close to Heaven, with my good brother, partner, and driver here, apparatus operator Gene Taylor, a.k.a. wide receiver, NFL retired. Uh, yeah, Gene Taylor came in with me in my class at the fire department. Uh Hell of a man, one of my very favorite people here at the BFD, Berkeley Fire Department. 
and he has some insight that uh, I thought was important. We're going to share it. And uh, well, here, Gene, t- tell us, uh, tell us what's happening. How did you get involved? Tell us about football and how it started for you. Well, thanks a lot, uh, Raider Greg, for inviting me on your show. It's been a while. You and I have been trying to get this thing going. So uh, I'm finally making it to the uh, Raider podcast. Thank you, Raider <laughs> Greg. So uh, <clears throat> uh, my, my football career started really young. You know, uh, I fe- fell in love with the game at an early age and knew right away that that's what was I wanted to do. So I did all, all the things that I had to do to accomplish those goals. I got really focused at a young age and just started practicing and, and playing hard. Um, high school was, you know, was just a mediocre career and went on to junior co- college and had a mediocre career from there and walked on to Fresno State. And then that's where my whole life in uh, f- football just kind of changed, you know. Uh, I went to a system which was conducive to the style that I, that I w- wanted to play. And at Fresno State, they threw the ball a ton. You know, back in the 80s, we uh, broke Doug Flutie's uh, passing record in 1985. And, um, and, and we were undefeated in uh, 1985 at uh, Fresno State. And I played with uh, one of the coaches for the Raiders. He's uh, the running back's coach, uh, Kelly Skipper. So I just want to give a shout out to Kelly Skipper. Um, look, looking forward to seeing him do well this year and also so the Raiders do well. Okay, well, it's not everybody that can make it to the NFL, Gene. There, there are very few athletes. I mean, there's some athletes with natural talent. We've talked about that. And then there's athletes that have to focus, and they have to bring it all together to make that run at the NFL. Not everybody can make it. So you didn't have a mediocre career anywhere in my book because you made it to the NFL, Gene. Well, in uh, NFL terms, let's say that I had a cup of coffee in the NFL, and that's just to say it lightly and, and kind of in jest. But uh, um, for me, uh, I went to Fresno State to get into the NFL, and they ran, ran a pro-style offense. I mean, I was a walk-on at Fresno State, so I could have walked on at any college you know, that I wanted to, but I chose Fresno because I knew of the reputation of them just – hurling the ball all over the field. So um, when I got to Fresno, um, my whole life had changed so far as from a perspective of football, and uh, it opened up to me how intricate the game was. I really didn't understand a lot about uh, the formations and the sets and motions and the rest of that. And once I got to Fresno and they opened that playbook up to me, which was about three inches thick, I had never seen a, play, a playbook with so many audibles and different schemes. And, uh, man, I just really took to it like a fish to water. And so from there, uh, you went to the Combine in what year? Uh, I, w- I went to the Combine in 1987, uh, um, which – uh, we didn't know much about the combine at that time, you know. Uh, I th- think it had just started maybe a, a few few years prior to that, so we didn't re- really know what to expect. But me and the other F- Fresno State players who, who were asked to go, we know that we were in, in top shape and we we were going to do whatever it was that they asked of us. So it was just a host of drills and testing, which it was one of the most intense situations that I had ever been been in, you know, to that point in my, my life. And everything that you did was 
either filmed or scrutinized in some sort of way. Uh, it, it was kind of an eerie f- feeling to have somebody watching you so closely, but at the same time, you knew that this was your opportunity to, uh, to get to you know, the dreams that you had, you, you've had since you were a kid. So um, it was one of the most uh, trying times, you know, because everybody there was a star at their co- college or, or something. But uh, for me, I, I wasn't in, in awe of any other players or I didn't feel intimidated or like I didn't belong or anything. It's just that I was there to, to do the best that I could do. And uh, through that combine, I was able to uh, earn myself a six-round draft choice to the New England Patriots, uh, 163rd player chosen in 1987. The number one player ch- chosen that year was Vinny Testaverde. Well, there you go. I don't think that's a cup of coffee thing. I think that's some bullshit uh, because anybody uh, – at the cream of the cream makes it to the top. And you made it to the top. You made it to the NFL, even though it was with the – Patriot rats. I hate them bastards, but that's okay. You made it to the show. So tell us what happened. Um, and you went into camp. What was that like? Well, let me f- finish up the, uh, the com- combine. They took us through a Marriott of drills, which uh, it's opened up to the public now because it's on the NFL network. So you can really kind of see uh, the intensity of the workouts and the way that they're filming, the way that a quarterback is, is taking his drops or the way that he releases the ball and the way it comes out, out of his hands. So uh, that kind of gives the fans a, uh, a introspective look at how these players are scrutinized and the way that the players are picked, you know, per whatever the, you know, the team's needs are. So if you ever get a shot to take a look at the NFL network and what they're showing in the combine, that's exactly how everything goes down. You see that players are not, joking around or having fun or anything everything was serious business because at the combine you can either like elevate yourself or you can lose you know like whatever draft draft stats that you have so uh everything was very serious there was no joking around and nobody playing games there there was no uh competition in, in the sense that um there was rivalries or anything you were there to do the best that you could and and let teams know, hey, this is the talent that I have, and I hope that you could, you could use me. So please pick me when uh, draft day comes. And uh, for me, uh, <clears throat> draft day was really long. You know, uh, I got up early in the morning, and I think they only televised at that time the first round and maybe the second round. So by the time the uh, – and at that time, there were 12 rounds in the draft, and it was all done in one day. So uh, I ended up getting a call from the New England Patriots. I'd been up since maybe 6 o'clock in the morning and watching the draft on ESPN, and then it signed off and just waited for my call. And and it seemed like it took forever, but around uh, 1.30 in the afternoon, I got a call from Coach Raymond Berry, and they said that they uh, chose me in the sixth round. And, man, it's like uh, the sky just lit up, and uh, the sun came out, and... Man, it was a culmination of uh, a lot of hard work due to my parents and everybody in, in, in involved with me getting there. It was just a, a great feeling of accomplishment, not only for myself, but for my family as well. Well, I can tell you this. Um, it's not everybody that can make it to that level. So 
<laughs> I am in awe that here I am at the firehouse working with uh, an NFL, I call him a star. He's my star up here in the BFD. Um, and a wide receiver that had great promise. And that you were going places. You had a lot of talent. You had a lot of competition. Uh, you had some guys who were dug in pretty deep at New England. Uh, so what happened there? Uh, New England was was stacked with wide receivers. They they had like five veterans with at least at least five years of playing. You know, like experience in the NFL. So I knew that that was going to be a hard lineup to break. But you know, they chose me for some reason. So I w- went out there and uh, gave it my all. Uh, I didn't make the team that year, but uh, I got picked up all, off waivers and ended up playing the 1987 and 88 years with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another team that I'm not too happy about. <laughs> yeah, but in the NFL, you know, these jobs are hard to come, come by, so whoever comes calling, you know, you're definitely running, you know, to wherever it is in the United States or wherever it is that someone's going to offer you a, uh, a chance to play football. And my uh, thing was the love of the game, and I, I would have played anywhere and – once we start to talk about the rest of my career, you'll see that I was a journeyman and I, I, I traveled the world, you know, to play the game. Uh, it was just basically, you know, the, the love for the game. So you, you know, one of the reasons I think this was an inter- interesting interview and I wanted to do this particular thing now is we're looking at a lockout. We're looking at perhaps a, a dissolving of the uh, NFLPA um, and we're here we are again. Well, you were involved, actually, with one of the strikes. And can you tell me what that was about as far as a, being a player, a, where you were in your career, and what it did to you and, and what happened to other players as well? Yeah, uh, we had a strike in 1987, which was my rookie year. And being a rookie and just trying to figure out your way in, in the game and you're playing with uh, – players that you've watched on TV, these Hall of Fame guys and the rest of that, uh, you just wanted to try to fit in. And even though I wasn't uh, totally into the strike because I wanted to play football, you know, and uh, but from the veterans that told us the best thing to do for our futures was, you know, to strike. And one of the main reasons why uh, we had the strike in 1987 was was for free agency which is something that is common now, but we had to strike to get that then. And as anybody knows, if if you have a talent, uh, you should be able to market it wherever it is that you want. And back in those days, if a team drafted you, they pretty much owned you. And if they offered you a contract that you didn't like, oh, well, you had no recourse. You couldn't say, well, I'm going to go play for the Colts. Well, no, because we own you. You are our property, so you're not going anywhere. You, you, you're going to play for this amount of money, or you're not going to play. So uh, we ended up playing our first two uh, games of the 1987 season, and then the players walked out, which is different from what's going on now is the owners are locking you know, the players out. But in 1987, the players walked out, and there was a lot of uh, – infighting within teams because I'm not sure that everybody was totally on board for the strikes, but as a collective union, all the players that were on the roster, the, the first uh, game walked out. And um, 
the tensions re- really rose when the owners kind of backdoored us and uh, got scab players, which were players that made it to the last cuts, you know, that they were cut on, on the last cut or cut sometime in the uh, preseason. And they ended up filling teams with what, what we called scab players. And um, it was bad football. Yes, it was bad fo- football. It wasn't the NFL caliber that uh, the fans were used to uh, watching, but football is fo- football, and uh, they were gonna the fan the uh, owners were trying to fill this the the uh, seats in any way possible to try to make make their money. But um, a lot of the the infighting started between the the players who were on strike and the scab players who were coming in taking our uh, m- money and taking our job. So there was a lot of f- fighting between uh the players that were trying to get into the the locker rooms which were our rooms but uh they were just renting them for that short time and there was a lot of fights and and a lot of cars were uh damaged and the the rest of that I can't, as it should be. So I can't <laughs> I can't really go into things that have, that went went on then, but uh, the players weren't too too happy about the scab players at all. Well, as in any union, you know, you don't like to see scabs that cross picket lines because it's dangerous for one, and it just uh, undermines uh, what what the strike is about. And it was for the betterment of all players, even those scab players who ended up making teams after you know the strike had had ended i mean it was for all of us and what came out of that uh 87 strike well the most notable thing was free agency and that's what opened up these bigger contracts and uh gave uh players the freedom to take their talents to other teams and then that's when these bidding wars started and then we knew that that would elevate the the salaries because of free agency let's say that you are an engineer coming out of college and ibm says that they want you but mac is going to pay me much more you either have to match them or i'm going to take my talent to mac that makes perfect sense i mean that makes perfect sense it was a a huge plus for the players a free agency and we still have it today matter of fact they're trying to rewrite free agency in this next contract they're trying to rewrite and put a handle on free agency because they, owners don't like it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> owners don't like free agency, and they want an extra billion dollars off the top. Um, but the fans don't come to see the owners play, do they, Gene? Oh, no. I mean, uh, you want a good ownership from top to b- bottom that treat their players well and they compensate them uh, not, not only you know, financially but help them in business sense, you know, like as well. Um, the uh, NFL is the only real pro- professional uh, business that does not guarantee their contracts. And it's such a violent game, and the lifespan of an athlete is so short. I think it's an average of 2.5 years or three years for the average player. And, um, you know, for you not to have a guaranteed uh, contract for such a violent sport that your career can be ended in, in, in practice, you know, it just seems ludicrous to me that there aren't any guaranteed co- contracts. There are for the top players like your quarterbacks. They'll get some guaranteed co- contracts. And then you see it more 
uh, now in uh, this day and age, that player will get uh, guaranteed uh, like m- millions for signing his name, and then they'll guarantee like I think R- Russell got uh, thirty-two million. Let's not talk about guaranteed. Yeah. So <laughs> so there's a um, a positive and negative you know like about that because if it gets abused such as the Russell case, you know, then it gives the fans and the the ownership a, a, a bad feeling about it. But I think overall, generally, uh, these contracts need to be guaranteed. Well, they need to be guaranteed for people who've proven their worth. Correct. And I think that that's where the, where the rubber meets the road. A player that has never thrown a football gets 32 guaranteed million uh, then you know what? I think that's some bullshit, and I think the end of that is coming. Yeah, and I think that the uh, NFL is headed in the direction of um, giving these untested rookies, you know, such big signing bonuses and such huge salaries, uh, more than your proven player that's been on a team for four or five years, and he's proven himself time and time again in the heat of battle, and he may not get the the monies that a person right out of college with great uh, talent and uh, potential, but he hasn't proven himself on on the pro level. And it's such a huge jump from college to the pros. I mean, um, the uh, talent is just tremendously different. Everybody's fast. Everybody's good. Uh, you, you know, there, you don't find any real slouches in the NFL, and that's contrary to what some people think, but uh, there, there are no slouches in the NFL. Uh, well, it takes a lot to get there, yeah. and uh, they're not gonna, just going to pay anybody that money. Um, and, and I just want to ask you, because I've talked to you about this before. We've talked about it many times. How did that strike affect you as a player? I mean, what did it do to your career? Well, personally, I... I think that it uh, cost me, you know, um, at the time uh, I was still trying to pr- prove myself just as a player and uh, prove to my coaches that, that I belonged in the league and wanted that uh, opportunity. And with that strike, you know, we lost, uh, we ended up uh, losing about five games, you know, that uh, those were opportunities that I could have, could have shown that, Hey, you know, that this guy's, got the talent and it needs to be cultivated and uh um we need to give them a chance but our but my rookie year was shortened by by the strike and we ended up uh missing about six weeks total and uh within that six weeks you know like a career can be made or it can be lost or it could be lost and uh in uh, my case you know, you know it, it uh kind of hurt i mean i i uh over the years, I had second thoughts of should I broken the strike line and went in and, and uh, played, you know. You, I mean, in a hindsight, you know, you think, well, maybe uh, things would have ter- turned out d- differently if I would have uh, broken the strike line. But um, I was a team p- player, and I was going to go with what the majority, you know, was going to go with. I, I was kind of like, you know, cattle. I just followed along because just trying to uh, – to learn the NFL game, you know, was difficult enough, and I, I didn't want to have any enemies and still trying to learn it. And uh, so I went with the with the majority of people and went out on strike. And uh, I'm not sure if it cost me or not, but, uh, you know, 
there's always like that what if. That's a sensitive time in your career, man. You're trying to make it happen. You're young. You're prime. It's time to prove yourself. And the whole thing is jacked up, which is happening again. Um, And I just don't think those players want to lose a game check. Uh, Talk about the game checks there, uh, Gene. Well, I I can tell you that Tuesdays were very good days for us because that's the day that you you would go into the office and you'd get your workout in and you'd pick up your check. So uh, whenever whenever that there was a slowdown or or like the strike, you know, we weren't picking up our checks on on Tuesdays and, uh, you know, we were trying to make our ends meet. But uh, um, for the most part – after the strike, you know, we, we tried to uh, – well, at Tampa Bay, you know, I mean, just to win a couple of games a year was, was a success, you know. Uh, we, we weren't the best of teams. We didn't have the best of coaches. We had a lot of talented players because they kept getting these first-rounders, you know, year after year. So there were a lot of talented players. I just don't think the coaching staff was up to par back in 1987 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, there you go. They did go on to win a Super Bowl under Tony Dungy, not uh, not Gruden. I say that was Dungy's team myself. Well, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you that he put that team t- together, and they were right on the cusp for many years of just breaking into the uh, Super Bowl. And after he, he left, I think uh, Gruden kind of got the residual of what uh, Dungy ha- had built, and yes – he coached them to a Super Bowl, you know, in championship year. So uh, you take your hat, hat off to him. I mean, it's difficult to do. And uh, but his team was pr- pretty much la- laid out for him by uh, Coach Dungy. The, uh, that's what I think too. <laughs> so Let's what? Make no, no mistake. No, make no mistake about that at all. So yeah. tell me more about your career. What? How did it uh, well, go on from there? Well, uh, after. I uh, played my two, two years in Tampa Bay. I got homesick, and I wanted to c- come on home. So I signed a free agent uh, contract to play with the uh, 49ers in 89. I was doing re- really well in camp and, and ended up uh, tearing a hip flexor, which is probably the second worst muscle to tear for uh, a, a, a runner, uh, first being the hamstring, second, I think, the hip flexor, which is the muscle that helps you lift and drive. So without that... A receiver's legs are dead, and without uh, being able to, to sprint, you know, your chances are pretty much done. And, and that's where uh, the term was uh, given to, to me, uh, you can't make the club in the tub. <laughs> so, I, so, so I learned that term there, and it, uh, you know, it turned out to be true. You can't make the club in, in the, the tub. tub. Just not I said damn. Because uh, – Everything you do, Greg, in a, a training camp situation is filmed. So if they don't have the film on you to evaluate you, then... Uh, You're you not know, part of the mix. You know, they are moving on to the next per- person, and they're taking the next healthy body, and they're, and they're taking a look at him. So uh, it's really hard, uh, unless you have some background w- with you, you know, to uh, be injured and then make a team it's just very very difficult so <clears throat> to wrap it up i did not make the team in uh 1989 with the 49ers but i did have a, a, a good camp and was uh scouted by a canadian f- football team with the saskatchewan rough riders <clears throat> so after i got released from uh, the 49ers in 89 i got a call from the uh, saskatchewan rough riders and 
ended up going up to play some CFL f- football, which was not my first love. But like I told you in, in the outset, that uh, I was a lover of, of the game. So, and anywhere that they were offering me an a opportunity to play football, I, I was definitely going to go. So I, I went up there. Uh, went up there uh, about mid mid season for them because after training camp because they because they start about a month and a half early or, or, or earlier than the NFL so by the time I got up there and got adjusted it was like uh, the season was ha- halfway done but I worked myself into the starting lineup and we ended up uh, doing well making the playoffs and uh, winning the Grey Cup in 1989 which is their Super Bowl by the way which is their Super Bowl but. Yeah, you know, I I still felt that uh, I wasn't totally accomplishing, you know, the dreams that I had set out from when I was a kid. I think that most NFL p- players, uh, you know, the dream starts early, you know, and uh, as a kid, you dream of these things and you pretty much you set things just in your mind. This is how I want want things to be. And uh, the Canadian Football League was a great opportunity and I enjoyed my time there, but I knew that it wasn't where I wanted to be. It wasn't the cream of the cream. No. And that's the NFL. Right. And you always want to uh, test yourself and put yourself against the best talent out there. You know, so, and it's definitely in the National Fo- Football League. You'll, you won't find any better players anywhere else except in the National F- Football League. Okay, so what happened after... Uh... So after... Uh, the Canadian Football League wasn't exactly what it was that I wanted to do. And then I came back home and uh, sat out for a year and didn't play any fo- football or anything. Just kind of uh, try- tried to stay in shape and waited for teams to call me. And my phone just wasn't ringing, Greg. You know, that window of opportunity was shrinking. And and I knew that. But I still had a desire to play and a love for for the game, and uh, if it hadn't been for the World League, which was a kind of a a spinoff from the NFL, where they want to get their their game known wor- worldwide, I think that uh, the NFL wanted to reach uh, other countries. You know, they have that American Bowl every year where they go play in Japan or they go play in uh, London or whatever. So the NFL is is trying to expand their their business. So they came up with the World League and there were 10 teams. There were um, teams in uh, London, Monarchs, uh, was Barcelona Dragons, the Frankfurt Galaxy, uh, teams in Florida, New York, San Antonio, uh, South Carolina, California, you know. And uh, all these teams were backed by the NFL. So they had players which they were uh, – developing but i mean it's a player that has talent and maybe was on their practice squad or something but he has some 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 great talent he just needs some polishing and the only way you get true polish greg is to get in the game you can't get polished in practice you can't get polished in the film room you have to get out on the field and show exactly what it is that you can do so um uh that's what the uh world league was it 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 was a polishing league for players that had the talent but just can't seem to break into a a lineup and, and become a starter or just make a team. So uh, <clears throat> fortunately, I was drafted in the first round of the World League draft to the Barcelona 
Dragons and uh, ended up having a re- really good year there. We only had 10 games, had uh, 35 catches, 735 yards, six touchdowns, averaged 21.3 yards per catch, which uh, was some really good stats for a short season. Um, we ended up playing uh, in the World Bowl against the London Monarchs, and this is when my path first crossed with Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was the offensive co- coordinator for the London Monarchs in 1991. So um, I'm, re- I'm really happy to see that he's ri- risen to the level of head coach in the NFL, and I'm sure that that was a, a dream of his from the beginning. You know, but uh, uh, Gene's going to get me in a camp this summer. <laughs> I, well, well, you know, I got a couple of you know connections with the Raiders, uh, with Kelly Skipper, and I ha- have met. Hugh Jackson on an occasion or two, so hopefully uh, we, we can get some insight and get into the uh, training camp there. I, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. Oh, I love it. I love it. you got to have this. So, so uh, after the World League, um, I started getting some phone calls and fielding some, some calls from, from uh, some NFL teams. Again, they, they were showing me some interest. And uh, I ended up re-signing in 91 with the New England Patriots. And uh, I uh, got hurt in camp there as well because I was doing a double season and my legs were just burnt out and ended up tearing a hamstring. But ended up, but I showed well in camp and uh, they ended up keeping me. And I played the uh, 1991 season with the uh, New England Patriots. I, di- I didn't get a lot of playing time, but it was on the roster and a part of the team. And uh, that was a great experience. Huh? I mean, the uh, NFL uh, life and the experience is something that I wouldn't trade for anything else. I mean, I've had the opportunity to go to Japan twice. I mean, like I say, I, I played in the World League. I lived in uh, Barcelona, Spain for six months. I've uh, been to London, been all o- over the world, you know, and it's all be- behind this great game of football and my life ex- experience with that was just uh, incredible. I c- couldn't have asked for anything better so far as uh, the experiences. Well, you know what? I can see how you could be drafted. I could see your character. Uh, this is a great guy. I got to tell you right now, Raider Greg's putting a stamp of approval on, uh, not that it means a whole hell of a lot, but <laughs> on Mr. Gene Tanner. Great man. He's got a great family. And this story is a story that comes right out of here, right out of local Oakland, California. Uh, he came right out from the neighborhood here and rose all the way to the pinnacle, which is the NFL, because there's not too many guys that get there, Gene. Well, thank you, Greg. I, I appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, hopefully that this isn't the last interview that you and I are going to be doing. But... Well, hell no. We're going to be in camp, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for ha- having me on your show. I've been a, a, a fan of your show for quite a few years, and uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on your show. Well, man, um, I know that uh, – when Tampa plays, you get a little sparkle in your eye. I know that because you got to be that way. But I know this is a Raider fan. He was a little pissed when Al Davis took the team to L.A. like a lot of people were. <laughs> uh, but I think he's building some interest back, and I, we're going to get him back in the stadium. We're going to get him definitely out there at camp. Uh, thank you for doing this with me, man. You know, you are my brother. Thank you, Greg. I okay. appreciate it. And, you right. know, great player. You should see some of the film on this guy, some of the catches. Uh, he's got some great picks, 
And what a history in your life. Then he ends up in the fire department with me and realizes that this is the second best. Yes. I mean, I'm living a dream. I mean, if I look at my uh, first career and uh, that was great. And then now I'm in the fire department. What a great, rewarding uh, career that we do have, Greg. And uh, I'm just blessed. Blessed. That's a right on, brother. I love it. Thank you, Gene. Gene, Gene, the machine. Right on, man. Right on, brother. All right, it's time for the bone line. 1 800 620 7181. 1 800 620 7181. Get on the bone line. Let's hear you. Let's hear what you got to say. Because I'm telling you, man, no football is shit. So we got to keep it going here. At the Raider Nation podcast. So 1-800-620-7181. Check out our site, www.raidernationpodcast.com. Randy does a great job putting all the stuff on there. Check it out because he's got a picture of Gene Taylor out there making a hell of a catch. Got to check it out. Okay, let's see who's on the line first. Our first caller of the day is my good brother, Full of Raider knowledge, Raider D, from the IE, that's Inland Empire, to all those who don't get it. Raider Greg, Raider Randy, this is Raider D calling from the IE. I was listening to the last podcast, and uh, I hadn't even noticed that uh, the Raiders picked up Steve Wisniewski as an uh, offensive line coach, and, uh, you know, the Rod Woodson pickup. They're doing some. They're making some moves right now that um, I think we can all get on board with. The coaching staff is coming together. I mean, we're, we're going to have an NFL coaching staff, not a bunch of fucking yahoos. Uh, you know, well, we should have, we've had a bunch of yahoos for the last three, four years. I think we can all agree that um, the direction they're going with coaching this year is positive. Uh, Steve Wisniewski, I don't know if you guys remember, I heard somebody say something about the dirtiest player in the era. But I remember when he uh, uh, first came to the Raiders, way back back in the '90s. For some of you young guys don't know, you know, new to this shit. And uh, there was this kid in San Diego they had. He's a linebacker, you know, Junior Seau, you know, and he was all the rave in San Diego. Little watch out for Seau, you know. He was undisciplined. He fucking rushed when he wanted to, and you know, he was known for sacking the quarterback and this and that. And uh, Steve Wisniewski got a clean shot at that motherfucker first game and knocked the shit out of Junior Seau. From that game forward, those motherfuckers went at it. I think Wisniewski probably got about five or six personal fouls knocking that fucker on his ass. And if you would ask Seau right now, the one person he watched out for when he played Oakland Raiders, Steve Wisniewski, because he was coming for him. So I'm glad we got that kind of a, uh, attitude Coming back to the team, Rod Wilson with a winning mentality. You know what I'm saying? I heard people talking about some of these uh, defensive backs. I'll be honest with you. I think I, I've seen the back of Stamper Route shirt or jersey. It's one fucking time too many. I've seen him chasing some fucker to into the end zone one time too many. Uh, it, that's an experiment that I, I think we should figure out a way to get out get be done with. Um, the other one. Uh, well, Mike Mitchell, I do like uh, that. That I mean, you're right there. But uh, Route um, Chris Johnson, 
talented. Uh, he's another one of those fucking James Trap guys. Quick, um, you know, but he can't cover. Couldn't cover his own ass. And and I'm, I, you know, what we got to do something about that shit. Honestly, we need either we get some good coverage guys who don't have the, that all-out speed, or we get some guys in here who can fucking flat-out play. These guys don't do that. You know, we we get a, a pick every once in a while and a meaningless game by these guys. And you know what? I can always take a pick six. But I need somebody who can, who can fucking cover somebody. I heard somebody mention Walter McFadden. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, if he's watching for me on Sundays from now on, he's not fucking donning silver and black. I appreciate the opportunity to call your bone line and give you my two cents. Later, G from the IE, and I'm out. Wow, Steve Wozniewski and Junior Seau. Check that history out. Big time battle in the trenches there. You know, there's never been a lot of love between San Diego and the Oakland Raiders, as you know. But I think it was good up pickup and coaches as well. The Rod Woodson move. I think we're doing some good things, man. We'll see. Now, Stanford Route. You know, he's going to have another year. I'll tell you what, Al Davis loves this guy. I hope he doesn't turn out like Gibson or Buchanan, uh, both those losers. Uh, he seems to be going that direction. You're right. But he does have some glimpses of greatness. We'll see, man. The season's still early. Uh, they might just, uh, he might not make it. Who knows? You just don't know. Uh, but I think he's the best option for right now. But you know what, man? This is an NFL and uh, they, it, it means not for long if you're not doing your job. And if he don't make it this season, well, all I got to say is he's going to turn out to be toast. Thanks for the call, my brother. You are always welcome to vent and voice your opinion right off here on the Raider Nation podcast. Okay, who's next? Next, here comes the draft with my good brother. Haven't heard from you in a while, man. Virginia Raider. What's up, Raider Nation? This is Virginia Raider. It's been a while since I called in last. Um, be completely honest, the CBA and everything that's going on or lack thereof is really kind of it's kind of taking its wear on me. Um, I haven't had the time, or to be honest, the want to to sit down and, and, you know, look over some potential draft picks Oakland might have coming up in, in this April's draft. I'll get to that within the next week or so. Some early prospects I'm looking at. Stephen Wisniewski, the kid out of Penn State. Obviously, he's the nephew of, of a former Raider and a damn good Raider. I played along the offensive line. Uh, he's about 6'4". Uh, 300 pounds, you know, he's a guard, which would feel a real need, especially if gallery walks. If not, I mean, that would really show up our right side. We could also look, um, depending on what happens in the first round, a guy like Tyron Smith from USC might might fall to the second round. I, I highly doubt it, but he may. Um, if he does, that would be a huge, huge pickup if we had the possibility to draft him at, our, at, at pick 40. Seven, I believe, in the second round, something like that. That would be that would be a huge, huge pickup because it, that would I mean, either we could shift him to right tackle because Langston Walker's really on his on his way out the door um, as far as his career goes. Um, even if if he even gets re-signed by Oakland, 
or we could put him in that last tackle and, and shift Veld here over to the to the right side. Um, but either way, that would really shore up some offensive line needs. But other than that, I really don't. I don't. I mean, those two guys I've looked at, and I've looked at other guys. I really don't have anything right now as far as uh, reports or, or the way I see it. Um, by no means am I any professional scout, but but I do like to look at these guys and and you know kind of scout them up and see see what they would be like if they were in the silver and black. As far as free agency, I think we're making good moves. Um, the Stanford route deal is kind of telling to me. I don't know what Nambi's told Al. I don't know what. I'm just thinking. I think he wants to test the free agent market. I don't know if he's told Al. You know, you'll get the hometown discount. I'm not sure what what's going on. I have a feeling he wants to be in Oakland, and I know I'm going to catch some grief over this, but I I don't know how. I don't think it'll be the end of the world if he walks. We've never we've never had the 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 front seven that we've got right now with you know guys like Shaughnessy and Seymour Kelly. Uh, you look at Houston on the other defensive end. You've got guys like Desmond Bryant, John Henderson. I mean, you've got really good role players coming off the sidelines as well as your starters. And then at linebacker, you know, Quentin Groves played really good last year, which I was surprised because um, he's more of a of a, a down-on-the-ground type guy defensive end than he is a stand-up linebacker. But he really impressed me last year. Wembley really impressed me. And then you got Rolo in the middle. And they can really get to the quarterback. And if you can get pressure on the quarterback, you don't need to have the guys covering Dick. You don't need to have the great corners and the great safeties because you've got that pass rush, and they can stop the run. We haven't had that. That's why Nandi's been such an asset, not taking away from any of his talents, but they don't throw his way. So, I mean, I think he was targeted like ten times last year, and that's like two, three years in a row. So... Yeah, I think it'll be a stretch, you know, with route. And if we bring a guy in or Chris Johnson or whomever it might be, Ware McFadden, you know, on the other corner. But losing Nomdy, I don't think will be all that terrible. I mean, it's going to hurt. It's going to be bad. But it won't be the end of the world because we have that front seven to get to the quarterback. We've got that front seven to stop the run. And uh, I think that will, you know, kind of, kind of even itself out to a certain degree. But we'll see where that goes. We've got a long, long road ahead of us. Can't really look at the free agency market until the CBA gets done. Can't take a hard look at the draft because, I mean, it's, it's weird. You know, guys boycotting going to the combine because the players and, and whatever. I mean, it's just it's a whole bunch of baloney. You know, these guys, I mean, how hard could it really be to say, you know, we'll give you this much and we'll take this much and for the good of the game, and for the fans, because they're not making money if they don't have any fans. Uh, but anyway, I'd hate to see the you know what the NFL is and what it's become get ruined over some dumbasses, the owners, and some hard-headed players too. But anyways, we'll see where this goes, and uh, I'll call in next time with maybe some more scouting reports on some guys that we might draft. But that's all I got this time, guys. Peace. Man, I know it's very emotional. Um, the NFL is a very near and dear to all of us here, and it'd be a real bummer to see these guys not make it, but it'll happen. As far as uh, our secondary is concerned, I I don't know if Rout's going to be able to to make it happen. I know we have Mitchell. We've got Tyvon Branch. We've got a good, solid secondary that did a pretty good job last year. Namdi would hurt us a great deal. 
I know our pass rush has improved immensely, but a lot of those sacks were coverage too. So, you know, we really have to look twice about letting him go because he is the best player on the team for now. Um, but you know what? If he doesn't sign, well, that's the way it goes. We got to move on and do the best we can. It's not like we don't have players. We have players. Uh, now it's up to Chucky B to make it happen. And I think we have the players to do it. I know that front four is brutal. And um, we got some good linebackers. I think we can do it. But like you said, it's going to be tough. I'd rather not. <laughs> and that is what I have to say about that. Thanks for the call, brother. Next, we have my good brother, the Nature Boy, Raider Josh. What's up, man? <laughs> Raider Nation, what is up? This is the Nature Boy. Woo! It's Raider Josh. What the fuck are we doing this offseason? We're already fucking ourselves. We didn't franchise Nomdi. But you know what, though, on the same same hand, I'm not too uh not too depressed that we uh we franchised Wembley, so you know, it's it's kind of a lesser of two evils. But on the same hand, we give Stanford throw it to my side of the field so I can get burned all fucking day route $31.5 million for three years. Wow. Um, hey, uh, Raider Nation, I'm a six foot two, I don't know, 265-pound fucking white dude. I, I think I could get burned all day for uh, three years, $31.5 million. I think all of us would be more than happy to get that kind of uh, pay for, for just getting fucking burnt all over the field. I mean, all of all of the touchdowns came on that dude's side. So I don't see how we're, we're leaving Nandi out of this and we're paying fucking Stanford like he's the fucking man. Dude, you are garbage. You should have been fucking released. Michael Huff's still out there. What's going on with fucking Zach Miller? I don't know what we're doing, but as of right now, we've made one good move. Well, two. We've signed Seymour two two years. That was great. We franchise Wembley, but now I don't know what's going on. It just seems like it's it's bad moves by Raider Nation. Uh, we'll just have to see how the rest of this off season goes and and see how the draft goes. And I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I admit Stanford route cut a big fat fat hog. Now, I don't know how much of that money is guaranteed. But I don't know how long he's going to be around if he doesn't produce. I mean, uh, he has had spots of good play, but, yeah, he has been burned a lot. And if they're going to use that money for him and not sign Namdi, I think that was a very bad move, a very bad move on the Raiders' part. But, hey, man, maybe Namdi's going to make some crazy number like $22 million this year, $22 million the next year. You know, maybe he's going to be up in the $70 million. Who knows? We'll just have to see what the market will bear. I know it was a brutal number, but don't be depressed, man. Come on. It's just the beginning, Red Nation. We got a lot of preseason. We got a lot going on before the season even starts for camp. Man, we got free agency. We will have free agency. We have the draft. We're going to have a season. So just hang in there. Next, we have Raider Moff from Utica, New York. Check it out. 
Hey, Raider Greg, this is Raider Moff from Utica, New York. I am really fucking pissed off. What the hell is this shit? We just slapped the franchise tag on Camber and Wembley when we can get them for 3.5, and the NFL says that contract can't be done. That's fucking bullshit. Camber Wembley is an awesome asset to the Raiders, but we could have got them for 3.5 instead of 10 million, and we should have just slapped the franchise tag on Dak Miller. Second of all, fucking Stanford Rogan, freaking $20 million when we could get Nyamdi, way better corner to freaking shut down the field, get him a contract, fuck this bum, Michael Bush, all that shit. We got Seymour already, good coaching staff with Wisniewski and freaking Rod Woodson, fucking great, great fucking coaching staff, and we have to get this shit done. This fucking Camber Wembley freaking ten million dollars and Stanford route twenty million dollars is fucking bullshit. Can't accept that shit. We need to fucking save up money for free agency and getting some freaking caliber players to fucking solidify the fucking good unit we have. So this is Raider Moff out. Well, I understand, but understand this: <laughs> it's never really made a lot of sense to me what we pay players. I mean, I've looked at these numbers; they're ridiculous. And they're really ridiculous to the rest of the owners in the NFL. And Al doesn't give a rat's ass who he pays and how much he pays. Don't be surprised if Nambi gets some insane record deal. You just never know. I just know this. I'm not worried at this point of the season. You said it yourself. Coaching staff is solid. And these are the guys that are going to be making these decisions. Let's let them do their thing. Let's let them develop a team, and let's see where we end up in September. That's what I'm talking about. So let's just watch what happens. And as it goes, you know, we could be pissed. We could be way more pissed. Uh, You know how it works in the Raider Nation. So let's just stay calm and cool, folks. Thanks for the call, my brother. Next, we have Raider B from Texas. Tell us what you're feeling, brother. What's up, what's up, Raider Nation, Raider Greg, Raider Randy, this Raider B calling in from Texas over here in Cowboy Country. Oh yeah, hope everybody is relaxing in the off season. Just thought I'd add my two cents in, you know what I'm saying? On this off season, we got uh, you know, our new coach. Hugh Jackson, Action Jackson. I'm sure he's going to throw some hot plays, and, uh, you know, we're just going to be on fire this coming up season. Also, Chucky's back. I'm sure a lot of y'all remember Chuck Brasnahan. Of course, we got Richard Seymour, Mr. X. You know, they got him landed for a two-year deal, so he's definitely planted. They just got to get Miller Nation they got to get Zach Miller, definitely, and especially Ostomois. You know, they need to land them, definitely, and they need to stop playing around. They just need to give them what they want, you know, and, uh, I mean, no price should be too high for them, definitely, because they are our stars, definitely. I don't know what y'all feel. Uh, I'm over here from Texas, and, uh, you know, of course, I'm a, as far as college goes, I'm a TCU Horn Frog fan. TCU, but anyway, uh, we had uh, our star quarterback last four years, uh, Andy Dalton. He's on the 
up for grabs on the uh, draft, and he'd be a good third-string quarterback. Uh, you know, I know he's a redhead, and he's got that wild red hair. It'd be crazy to see him in a Raider helmet, but he would be a good, you know, a good guy to bring along and, and teach him, and I could see him definitely being a star uh, franchise quarterback in the, you know, way in the future somewhere, but he'd be good to have, you know, to uh, Jason and, and Bruce could uh, teach him some things, but that's just a, that's just an idea there. You know, he's he'd be a, he's a good guy all around. He'd be a hard charger for the Raiders definitely, because he definitely led TCU on the victory in the Rose Bowl. Uh, anyway, uh, I know I'm dragging along here. Uh, love me some Raiders. Can't wait till the next season here as we go full force against all them. Uh, you know, them eastern, northeastern teams. Oh, man, it's going to be something else, I tell you. But uh, anyway, this Raider B, and I'm out. Raiders! Well, we took care of Miller. We took care of a couple other issues. We've been signing some good players. Uh, a lot of money going out so far. And, of course, like I said before, the other owners are flipped out. Good. I'm glad. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad the draft is coming. I don't think that we're going to go for a quarterback in the draft. I just don't think that's what the Raiders do. Mr. Davis is a guy that likes to pick up other people's quarterbacks and see how they play. I mean, that's what kind of how we, we roll here. So I just don't know. I sure am pissed off about Kyle Bowler, though. I think that was the most fucked up signing there is. He blows ass Way worse than Stanford route. So that's my pet peeve on this whole thing. But, hey, man, I I wish we would. I wish we'd pick up a quarterback. It's a great idea. I just don't see Mr. Davis doing it. Thank you for the call, brother. Next, we have a great call from a great Raider fan. My good brother, Lou Dog. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Raider Nation? This is Lou Dog from Southern California. Just calling in to give my take on a couple things uh, as far as the way our offseason has been going. The Rod Woodson thing was a good thing. Well, another positive was uh, Richard Seymour. I think he was very well worth the contract he got. He deserved that. Um, but now our focus now is trying to retain our free agents. Um, and that's where the negative comes in. Now, our latest, our latest uh, big contract, controversial, possibly controversial contract, would be number 26, Stanford Route. Now, I, I know this guy was was put under a lot of pressure because of the system that the Raiders run on defense. As a matter of fact, any cornerback in the Raider defense is being put under a lot of pressure. But this guy got, uh, I believe, a $20 million guaranteed, and the possibility of a $30 million was a three-year contract. Um, if I'm not mistaken, on more than one occasion, this Stanford route was burned and burned badly. He did have some good plays also, but, you know, you got you got to think about the time right now with all the, the bargaining going on and the uncertainty of a, of a football season this coming up year. I'm, I'm just wondering what 
what the coaching staff and what the ownership sees in this guy to reward him a, such a big contract. Um, I hope the dude lives up to it. I really, really do. But I really have a strong feeling that since this guy got this huge contract, then that means number 21, Nandi Asamoah, will no longer be a Raider next year. And that really does upset me because this dude proved himself. He proved himself, and yeah, he did get a, a good contract last year, but there was always a little glitch in that contract, and that glitch is what's costing him right now. I think Stanford route is going to be Namdi Asamoah's replacement. I hate to say it because I don't want it to happen because Nandi Asamoah has been saying for the longest time that, you know, he wants to stay a Raider and wants to be part of the, the turnaround, and it seems like his services will, not, will no longer be needed in Oakland. And that's sad to me because regard, regardless of what the issue was with Charles Woodson when he was with the Raiders, they let go of another, another possible Hall of Fame cornerback. Charles Woodson just went to the Super Bowl with this team and won the Super Bowl. So, you know, that, that burns right there. That really burns. And if Namdi Asamoah is going to fall on the same footsteps as Charles Woodson, you know, I, I'd ha I would hate to see it. I really would. But, you know, there's, there's other things, other players, questionable contracts and stuff like that that, that have been going on these, this last week or two. We retained the services of Wembley, which is a linebacker, and we needed him. I mean, I'm glad that we did, but now we gave him the franchise tag instead of our Pro Bowl tight end. Or um, I don't think Robert Gallery was worthy of that franchise tag. I hope they do resign him, though, because we do need any help that we can get on that offensive line. I believe Henderson was also re-signed uh, for a somewhat... Not a big contract, but, I mean, at least he's resigned. So I just hope that the next couple of weeks doesn't uh, bring any more of these crazy contracts because that's been our, our MO these last couple of years. Al Davis, the front office, whoever's in charge, they tend to uh, spend money on a player that, in my eyes, isn't worth it. They're just making us Raider fans and the Raider team look bad. And I'm just tired of hearing all these punks, these uh, ESPN and all these news and the, the newspapers putting the team down because of these kinds of decisions. You know, and I hope we, we really do good in the draft. I, I have a strong feeling that we will because we have Hugh Jackson there. And, you know, I, I have a strong feeling we'll, we'll do okay in the draft. And that's another thing. Uh, the NFL Combine is on way as we speak. Uh, so I'll be keeping close eye to that TV and any news of any players, you know, that might be predicted to go to the Raiders. And, and I know that alone is another show. So I'll save any comments I have about that till that show comes. Once again, Raider Greg, Raider Randy, you guys are doing a good job. This is the only way, you know, us Raider fans can, can put it all out there, put our opinions out there, because in between Raider fans, we all listen to each other and we can relate. But when we talk to fans of other teams, they, they just can't relate. It's not the same. Like I've always said, it takes a certain certain person to be a Raider fan. And if you don't have it in you, then you're not a Raider fan. So until next time, 
Raider Nation, I'm out. You know, it's crazy how much money the Raiders throw out there, Lou Dog. It's crazy. And it's always crazy. And you're right. Last couple of seasons, we've been throwing money away. Now, I don't know how the CBA agreement's going to make these contracts, whether it'll void them or how this whole thing's going to work out. But you know what? I've never really paid attention to how much money Al Davis spends. And I want to give you two names that'll freak you out, but I, it's a reality check, brother. Gibson and Puke Cannon. Those two losers were on our team far too long, and they were just projects of Al Davis that just hung around and sucked up a paycheck. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope we keep Namdi. Who knows? But it's early in the season, and like you said, the draft is coming close, brother, and we'll have to check it out. I think we're going in the right direction, though. Great call, brother. Last but not least, my very good brother, Raider Vince from the IE. That's Inland Empire, brothers. That's a great place. I used to live there, too. Check it out. What's up, Raider Greg? This is Raider Vince from the IE. Haven't called in a minute, but, you know, been a lot of shit going around, and I got to air out. I got to let my few comments out, but anyways, hope, hey, hope you guys are doing good, and this to the show, still popping, Raider Nation, much love, anyways, um, you know, I was kind of bummed too, the whole fucking Tom Cable thing, and all that shit, but I think it's, I think, I think everything's working out with Hugh Jackson, and, you know, he's just cleaning house, getting all these coaches, and everything's looking positive. You know, just with the whole Wisniewski, got back uh, Beaker, Rod, you know, Namdi's mentor. So that that's a good thing, you know. Namdi likes that guy. But um, the only thing I'm kind of worried about is the whole Bresnahan thing. And what I've known is, you know, he couldn't even find a job in the AFL. So it was it was hard for him to find a job in the AFL, and now we got him. So you know that's I know he was with us before, but I didn't really care for him. He didn't you know he didn't really uh, impress me. And uh, anyways, um, with, with with Rod, like I said, and Namdi, that just gives us hope for Namdi to stay. I think he is under the radar right now. Al Davis has money. He's he's got to pay for his boy. Ask Namdi. Al Davis takes care of him. Nobby knows it. Davis knows it. I think it's just on the radar. You know, they're, they're keeping all these guys. Stanford route. Seymour. Um, there's a, a contract tendered right now for Zach Miller and Michael Bush. You know, that's good. They they, they offered them. So, I, I know the league likes these two guys. You know, they're good. But we got to hold on to them. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to get offers, but hopefully they stay with the Raiders. And um, we need we need Namdi, man. Hugh Jackson knows it. Al Davis knows it. If they're going to fucking sign all these other guys back, you know, like, like with the whole Wembley thing, and, and that, was, that was great, you know. And Seymour's there. So, you know, he's, Seymour's a big aspect to the line. And mentoring and developing these cats. So, 
that's good. And um, if you know they, they if they're gonna keep all these other other guys, they need to keep Mountie, keep our team together, and you know have just just do the whole damn motherfucking shebang again and even better. You know they're building the Super Bowl team, and I I, I can see it with with all the positive moves they're making. So. Which is positive, and the whole Robert Gallery thing, he left, but I don't really care for the guy. I mean, he did do better last season. He did. He stepped it up. What's good about him is he switches positions and he works with the Raiders. But he was he was getting pushed around a lot, so I think we you know we picked up a lot of a lot of new guys straight from college. So you know a lot of we got an offensive tackle, another quarterback. A tight end, so you know that's that's positive, and and some more guys. I can't I can't really remember the names, but you know it's positive. It's positive. They're doing positive shit, man. That's good. Anyways, much love to the podcast, Raider Greg. I know this is kind of long, but uh, you know Raider Nation, and uh, I'll be up there opening game. Go kick it with you guys, man. Like I said, Kingsford Kurt, I'll get at you, email you and shit. See where you're going to be at. We'll be up there. The whole fucking fam, you know, it's on. So um, I'll get back at you, but much love, Raider Nation, Raider Vince, and I'm out. Well, Raider Vince, I think Bresnahan is a good pickup. I mean, he did have trouble. He couldn't get a job at the AFL because he left the Bengals, and the Bengals were shit. They were a crappy team with crappy old grumpy players that didn't want to play. They're in disarray over there, and I don't think that was his fault. He's coming to take a team with huge talent. What a step forward. He had huge talent back in 98, 99, 2000, 2001. The guy had talent there, and he did something with it. Hey, man, he took us to the Super Bowl on the defensive side of the ball, and that means something to this Raider fan. He knows how to navigate the Al Davis locker room. He understands how to work the politics of the Raiders. I think that is huge for a defensive coordinator. I think it's huge for him. I I wish him all the luck in the world. I think we made a good pick for him. And I'm just hoping he'll just bring some of that magic back to the Raiders. The defense, that is brutal. And that's what I'm talking about. And I thank you for the props. And we will hook up Kingsford Kirk off the house. I want to go to the doggone tailgate tonight, man. I'm ready for some football. That's right, man. Bring your family. We will have a freaking blast. You know it. I know it. And everybody listens to this show that's been to the tailgate. Well, I don't need to say another word about that. Well, Redder Nation, I know the shows have been a little few and far between, but, you know, I'm kind of... Really kind of hanging out, waiting for the CBA thing to get done because it really disrupts the flow of the NFL. I mean, really think about it. The flow is just disrupted. The free agency is not happening in a timely manner. The draft, all these issues with the combine, the players that are not coming out of college because they're not sure if there's going to be an agreement. There's all kinds of issues this year. Makes it difficult. But, you know, we're going to be here. We're going to be here for sure. Got another show in the pipe. It's coming down soon. So you won't have to wait quite that long. You know, the Raiders are renegades yet again. Like I said before, Al Davis is spending all the money. Let's just look at it for what it is. It is the very beginning of free agency, really. 
and we're working our way up to the draft, and we have a lot to look forward to. So not everybody freak out too much. Namdi's not gone. There's nothing that's happened yet. So let's just keep our cool uh, and let's not freak out because I think this coaching staff is pretty damn smart. It appears to be on paper. We got some good things coming in the future. And that's what I'm saying and that's what I'm meaning. And that is it. I am Raider Gray and I am out. Oh,